All right, well, thanks for being with us this morning. We're glad that you're here. And if you don't know, Percy Harvin is the wide receiver for the Seahawks. Some people may not know, so we just want to make everything as clear as possible. Um, so, uh, but thanks for being here today. Um, this is the last time you'll have to see peanut butter and jelly being made, so maybe that's a huge, like, stumbling block for you. Like, just makes you hungry right before service every time. Last week you need to do that, so no worries. Um, next week you can just bring your own snack if you want. And just when Thad gets up to speak, just, you know, chat on on some pretzels or something. But we've been talking about taste and see, and we've been talking about how we can actually see an impact in our personal lives when we come to follow Jesus, when we come to know Jesus. And so two weeks ago, Thad talked about prayer. And we, ta- we talked about, um, last week we talked about inviting people. And I really believe that... Um, those are two main ingredients when we're talking about taste and see in our lives. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about inviting people to join the ride of knowing Jesus with us. And those are two really important things. And to bring this series to a close, but to kind of also bring it full circle back to the beginning, we want to talk back again about ourselves and our own lives with Jesus. And just the verses, to go over them again, um, Psalm 34, 8, in the NIV, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I looked it up in the message this week, and if you don't know what the message is, it's kind of like a version in very, very plain English. The author of it tried to make it so simple for people to understand the Bible. But it says, the same verse, 30, Psalm 34, 8, in the message, it says, Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. And I just thought that was a good way of explaining it. It's like, open your eyes and see. Open your mouth and taste how good God is. And sometimes we take that for granted. We just think that knowing Jesus is something, a decision we make to just get us to heaven, but we don't realize the goodness of God, the goodness of Jesus, the goodness of his sacrifice. And so today I want to start kind of at the end of the service today, because uh, the last two weeks we've been doing communion, and I want to talk about a specific story in the Bible that talks about communion. We're going to take communion again today, but I want to talk about a story that kind of revolves inside of the center of that time that Jesus actually first instructed the disciples to do communion. And so to kind of set the scene a little bit of the story, Jesus is nearing the end of his life and is prepared to sacrifice himself for all of men. He has a group of his closest followers with him. These people are called disciples, who he has mentored and taught many things to, and they've seen many great things that Jesus has done in his time of ministry. And they don't know what is coming, like what the next thing that's going to happen. Jesus knows, but the disciples don't know yet. And so Jesus takes them to a place where they can share a meal and really where he can instruct them and prepare them for what is about to happen. And basically he's preparing them to know that he's about to be executed on the cross but also about his resurrection and about life after that and like how they're to live their lives. And so we read in Luke 22, 14 through 20, and I'm using the message version for this as well, but it says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so this is the reason, that story right there is the reason why we practice communion on occasion. We do it to remember Jesus' sacrifice and what it means for our lives. Jesus ushered in a new covenant when he died on the cross and rose again three days later. And one of his last instructions to his disciples was to remember that Jesus gave up everything to bring in the new. And so you may be asking, what is the new? What is that new thing that Jesus brought? And really, if you think about it, that new thing is everything. Everything Jesus did was new. It was different. It was fresh. It was like just this new way of living, and it was awesome. This new covenant meant that whoever believes in Jesus will be saved. No longer was it about if you were clean or dirty based on the law. It's no longer about if everyone thought you were a good person or everyone thought you were a bad person. It was about the disposition of our hearts and if we truly believe in Jesus and have faith in him, that would, we, that would determine if we had salvation. And so Jesus is bringing this new idea, and he wants, you, wants us to remember that he sacrificed himself so that he could usher in a new way of living. But this new covenant took a sacrifice, and it's that sacrifice that Jesus made after he had this dinner with his disciples, which changed the course of all of history. He gave up his life, accused of being a sinner, when really he was the furthest thing from it, to save sinners. And so that people like you and me and every person from then on could have eternal life. He died and rose again three days later, and it's through the truth of Jesus that we proclaim that Jesus brings forgiveness. That new life comes through Jesus. And the reason that we do everything we do here at Open Life is because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus that we go out and try and bring more people to him. It's that sacrifice he made, that new covenant he brought in, that we have hope for our future, and that we can share that hope and spread that hope for others to have as well. And so I don't know, when we take communion later today, at the end of the service, we're doing this to remember his sacrifice and to remember that through his life, we now have salvation, that we now have hope just like he asked the disciples to do back then. And so I don't know about you, but when I take communion, I like to just kind of close my eyes and I imagine myself sitting at that table and wondering, just thinking about Jesus passing that bread to me. And he's saying, eat this and remember me. I imagine I'm there with my friends at the table and just thinking, Jesus pouring into a cup and he hands me the cup and he says, drink this. This is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it really, when I put myself in that situation, it really creates the gravity of why we do communion. It forces me to think about my life. Am I really taking this piece of bread, dipping it into that juice later today? And am I, am I really thinking about what that truly means, what that means for my life? Or is it just kind of emotion that I've done before in church a lot? I've done it since I was a kid. Is it just a ritual that I've done before? Or am I really choosing, we dip it, Jesus probably was drinking wine and he poured it out, but we dip it here. But it's still the, the action of me going over that table later today, dipping a piece of bread in there and saying, Jesus, I remember your sacrifice. 
Jesus, I'm so thankful that you died on a cross for me and rose again so that I could have salvation, so I could have eternal life with you. That's the gravity of it. And so this past week, I take it a step further, and I think knowing the way Jesus is and who he is, he doesn't just want us to take that bread and dip it into the, into the juice and remember him, but he wants us to remember him with the way that we live our lives. And so this past week, what did I do? How did I live my life that remembers Jesus, that honors him? What didn't I do that could have honored him, that I could have done? And so when I try and explain Jesus and life with him to other people, I'm always trying to think of ways that I can relate it to their everyday life. And it's easy to imagine that being at a table with Jesus, it's easy to imagine being at the table with Jesus, but if Jesus came now, it's a little bit hard to imagine that he would choose me to come to his table. And you might be thinking that because I'm a pastor and I'm here, that Jesus would be want to come and have just a meal with me. But I can tell you that's probably further from the church, from the truth, because Jesus just came and he grabbed normal people to do life with. If you look at the people that he brought to that table with him, some, most of them were like fishermen, just normal, everyday people. He had taxpayers with him, people who, who really were hated in that society at that time. I mean, they still are today, if you think about it. But um, he went to have dinner with groups of, that the religious people called sinners. He went to those people and he said, come eat with me. Come like watch how I live for like three and a half years. He asked these normal people, called them out of their normal lives and said, will you come and follow me? And so now they find themselves at like the really the turn of history in this room. And Jesus is saying one last thing. He's saying, take this bread, take this cup and remember me. But if you're still not convinced, let's look at one of the people that was at that table and his name is Peter, and he's one of my favorite characters who Jesus interacted with. And he's interesting because he was one who seems to be pretty rash in the way that he followed Jesus. When Jesus asked him to follow him, he just dropped his fishing nets right there and chose to follow him. He was one of the first to proclaim that Jesus, he was one of the first to notice that Jesus was actually the Son of God. And Peter was one of the first person to say, you know what, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. And he's one who got out of the boat and actually walked on the water. But he's also one who immediately, like literally hours after this, this story I just told you about, at being at the table where Jesus told each disciple, do this in remembrance of me, he resorted to violence when they came to arrest Jesus and he cut a guy's ear off. Literally hours after Jesus said, talk to these disciples. But it's also the person who did this in, in Luke 22. And now we're back into the NIV but I want to read you this story because it tells you about the kind of people Jesus gathered around him and who Peter was. So the story goes, Then seizing him, we're talking about Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you, are, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. 
About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went, out, he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter just denied Jesus. Just denied that he knew him. And like, that's one thing. Maybe you would think, well, that's, it's like, you know, a month ago that he was with Jesus. But we're talking about literally hours after Jesus had gathered his disciples together to share a meal. Jesus splits the bread, takes the wine, says to do this in remembrance of me. And literally hours later, Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. And so when you want to talk about not feeling worthy, about being in God's presence, like you feel like you come into church and you say, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that Jesus wants. Well, you could compare yourself to Peter and probably be in a better situation than he was at that time. Because it's so easy to taste and see like Peter did, but then forget. It's so easy to taste and see the goodness of Jesus and then just immediately forget. It happens to everyone. It's called sin, and we've all done it. But we are giving grace and go about our lives trying to live in a new way, but then decisions we make or circumstances or pressures that we face drag us down. But we receive grace from Jesus. And when we do receive that grace, sometimes we then are not graceful with those around us. We are shown mercy in a moment, but in the next moment, the next moment's notice, we revert back to being selfish and we forget to think of others the same way that we were just thought of by Jesus when he forgives us. And so I remember back to when, like, I think of times, because, like, our relationship with our parents can oftentimes be like our relationships with God. And I remember when I was a child going to Disneyland, and I remember being so excited you know, to like, I remember like being in a hotel room the night before, like we're going to go to Disneyland. And I like couldn't sleep because I was just like so excited, you know, because you're going to get to ride the rides. You know, there's that whole just fanfare. It's fun and everything. But I remember, so like I'm thinking, you know what? I'm so excited that we're at Disneyland. I have two younger sisters. I'm, you know, like, I'm going to be on my best behavior when we're in Disneyland. I'm just going to like, you know, let my parents have a day off, you know, let them, it's a vacation, let's all just have fun here. But how soon am I walking into Disneyland that something my sisters do, or something I say, or I just want to bug them, is that I forget about what I thought I wanted to do. And I just become this, like, demon in the middle of the happiest place on earth. I just forget that I'm, like, you know, uh, the decision I made, you know, I, I want to do good because my parents have brought me to Disneyland and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so thankful for that. But then I immediately just become this little hellion inside of this like happy place. And so the, that's the way our relationship with, is with God sometimes. He gives us so much grace. He gives us so much love. But then it could be hours later, just like Peter, and we revert back to something that we've had in our past. Or we do something just stupid and we have to ask for forgiveness again. Like that's life. That's how we live. But God's love, his arms are far reaching and his love is endless. And that's how we know we can go to him. We can go to him and ask for forgiveness. 
Three times Peter was asked, do you know this Jesus? And three times he denied that he knew him. This is the man who had a chance to walk on water, who saw all the miracles performed in his life that with Jesus. Jesus even healed Peter's own mother-in-law. Yet put on the spot, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. Peter tasted the goodness of the Lord. He saw it with his own two eyes, but he was quick to forget. And the verse of this series is not taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who forgets the Lord. It's blessed is the one who finds refuge in the Lord. It's harder to taste and see and then run to Jesus. Jesus' grace is for all. His arms are indeed far-reaching and his love is endless, but that does not mean that life will automatically become easy. Peter knew that if he had acknowledged that he was with Jesus, he would have been criticized, he would have been mocked, maybe even they would have tried to take him too with Jesus and murder him with Jesus as well. Peter took the easy way out. And really, if you think about it, there are people still in our time today, in the same world that we live in, that are going through those same decisions that Peter was met with that night. Just this past week, 80 people were publicly executed in North Korea just because some of them were in possession of Bibles. And so this is not like a new thing. It's not an old thing, or it is an old thing. It's happening all the time. We just don't always see it with where we're at right now in our lives. But we mourn their loss. And we pray for the people of North Korea because we pray for people who do not know Jesus. And we pray for those people and we say thank you for the courage of those people who had Bibles with them. But like they chose to not deny it. They stood up and said, yeah, I have them. And they didn't even have a choice. But to come up here and say that when people follow Jesus, life automatically becomes easier would just be a flat out lie. But Jesus did say in John 10, 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When we follow Jesus, we are given life. When we follow Jesus, we become life bearers. We're holding it inside of us, and we we actually have the opportunity to give that out to other people. But there's going to be people that are in our lives. There's going to be circumstances that in our lives that just try and suck that life, that new life that we have, they're going to try and suck it right out of us. So when you follow Jesus, you have that new life, but there's still going to be things that try and take that life from you. We can have life to the full, but there's always going to be something in your life that's trying to empty that fullness. But that's where we have to run to Jesus, to constantly be filled with love, to be filled with that full life that Jesus wants for us. When we follow Jesus, we are given a spirit that lives inside of us to create byproducts. And the Bible calls those things fruits of the spirit. And those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all good things that come from following Jesus. But there's always going to be things that nag on those things. That when you feel like you're at a moment when you can love someone more, or you feel at your moment when your patience is this high, Something is going to come at you, whether it's at work, at home, that's going to test that patience, and it's going to try and suck that out of you. But that's where you just run to the source continually. But we still mess up, just like Peter did. My hope and prayer for you today would be that you would let that grace of God comfort you when you mess up. 
We can't be people that just celebrate when someone changes their life after following Jesus, but the minute they mess up, we jump on their backs and tell them they're an evil person. On the flip side, we can't just throw out grace as a cheap gift saying, yeah, go ahead and sin because there's forgiveness. But when someone chooses to follow Jesus and they mess up, but then repent and turn away from their sin to follow Jesus again, we have to celebrate that. We have to be excited about that. After Jesus had been crucified and rose again, and even after he had met with the disciples to show them that he had risen, time had passed, and we are told a story in John 21 where Jesus returns to the disciples and finds them back fishing again. They kind of reverted back to what they had always known, what was comfortable, what was easy. And they're not catching anything. But before they know it, Jesus, who is there, and they don't know who he is, he yells from the shore and he says, cast your nets on the right side, as if the side of the boat really matters. But they, they do it anyway. They, they switch the side, they cast their nets on the right side of the boat. And all of a sudden they've been catching so much fish that their nets can hardly contain it. They can hardly haul it in. And so one of the disciples looks, because this, really this story's happened with them before. One of the disciples looks and says, you know what? That's the Lord out there. And so the awesome thing and what I want you to catch is what Peter does. He literally jumps out of the boat, jumps into the water, and swims straight to Jesus. It's like he runs to him. He returns straight back to him as if to say, Jesus, I am so sorry for what I did. I totally messed up. I really blew it. But he runs back to Jesus. And so we read, after so they eat breakfast, they have breakfast together, all the disciples. And so Jesus and Peter are having this conversation. I want you to hear it because it can apply to us so many times about conversations that Jesus continually wants to have with us. So when they had finished, finished eating, John 21, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He's basically talking about the fish. Do you love these more than these, what you've been doing? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? So he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And if you think about that story in so many different ways, it's like a perfect wrap-up to the, what Peter, the way he lived his life. About three and a half years earlier, Peter was called by Jesus and he said, come and follow me. And what did Peter do? He dropped his nets and followed him. He got to see everything Jesus did throughout his whole entire life. He got to sit at that table that last night of Jesus' life. He took the bread, he took the wine, he drank it, and Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But he totally blew it. He totally denied that he even knew Jesus. So finally, Jesus comes back to him, and he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Each time, Peter says, yes, I love you. 
It's like the perfect conclusion. And then the last thing he says to finish it up, he says, okay, now follow me. Almost like revert back to the beginning, the first time that Jesus asked the question. And from there, the story's history. You know about Peter. He became one of the pillars of the church. And he grew the church so much. But I share this story because the first thing is that Jesus restores Peter. Jesus knew Peter must have been kicking himself since Jesus had returned for what he had done the night Jesus was crucified. Jesus takes the time to ask him three times to show that Peter, he was getting a second chance. That no, there's nothing Peter could have done to erase the love that Jesus had for Peter. This is the same way that he loves us and handles us when we mess up. He gives us a second chance. When we think we could do it better in our lives and we go off on our own and we do selfish things and things that we shouldn't, He's quick to forgive us and to restore us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are you who run to him. The second reason I share that story about Peter is that Jesus sends Peter. It's easy to look at that story and only think about how that affected Peter's life. It's easy to look in our own lives and think when we follow Jesus that it's only about us. And it is at that moment. And there's a reason why, you know, each of us chose to follow Jesus But each time that Peter recommit his love for Jesus, Jesus runs by telling him to feed and take care of his sheep. Jesus' mind looks past just one person being restored, but he also is thinking about all those that would come to know Jesus through Peter's life after that moment. If we say that Peter had stories before that time and that conversation about Jesus' life, we can say he could have even greater stories after that time because of the things that he did for the church. And we've talked about him before. There's a story about Peter and John where he just heals a man just by telling him, you know, silver or gold, I have none, but what I have, I give it to you freely. And he heals a man just after this time, after they, you know, have this, the spirit. Peter's one of the first people to actually realize and have a vision from God that says that this love of Jesus isn't just for the Jews, it's for all Gentiles. Peter is one of the first people. So Peter becomes, in this one moment, you could call him the butt of the entire joke because he totally denied Jesus, but he got that second chance and he became the pillar of the church and how it would grow. And so we're so thankful sometimes about what Jesus does in our own own hearts that it can quickly turn to selfishness unless we choose to give it away to others as well. And so we're entering this Thanksgiving season, and if you're like me, you know, when you get ready for the meal, you're like, there's just those recipes that you love, but you don't take the time to make them, except like on Thanksgiving. And so I don't know if you you have a family recipe, or like your mom, like when you were growing up, just had this one recipe that she made for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited for that. But what I can't stand and what bothers me so much is like, say you go to like some other families for Thanksgiving and you meet the person that like you eat the dish and it's like really good, like so good that you want to make it yourself at home. So you say, hey, like what, like what is this? Like, can I get this recipe? And they're like, no, I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, It's like a family secret. And you're like, you're like, seriously? You're like, you're not going to tell, like, why can't I just have, like, it's a good dish. I like, great job. Bravo. I'm so happy for you. But can I try it now? Or like, can I have it? And so, you know, you have those people that are just like snobs because they won't give you the recipe. And it bothers me so much because it's like, just share it. 
And I, I understand if you're a business, like I understand Coke can't just give away its, you know, like drink recipe to everyone. And restaurants, you know, these chefs. But like you're talking about people that just cook at home for their families. It's not like huge rivalries about what's going on. Like you can share a recipe. But we can apply this to our lives as well. It's like we're told, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Peter took refuge in God and ran to him. He jumped out of the boat, ran immediately to him. But Jesus, immediately after that, pointed to others that would get to know Jesus through Peter. He said, all right, Peter, you love me. I get it. But feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. And that's the same thing he tells us. He loves you so much. He empowers you. He strengthens you. We mess up. We come to him. We get a second chance. And it's that repetitiveness that kind of like keeps us from doing what Jesus really wants. And that's, he's telling you, feed my sheep. You've come to me. You've been forgiven. Now go feed my sheep. There's other people that need to be forgiven as well. You may be in your life, you've found Jesus, you've tasted, you've seen, you've ran to him, but now what? Maybe you've found hope, maybe you've found joy, whatever it is. What do you do with that recipe that you have in your life? Do you just keep it for yourself? And even when someone asks you, you tell them, you know what, no, nothing's really different about me. When people ask you, well, I kind of see that you live in a different way, like, like, some people, some people in this room today have their lives put together in a really good way. And like, I think if we asked you, a lot of you would say you would credit that to knowing Jesus or following Jesus, following his way. But then when people ask you or like they want to hang out with you, you kind of just push them, you push them away. You hold everyone at arm's length because you don't want to let people into your circle. That's not a way to share the recipe. Once we've tasted and we've seen, we need to share the recipe. We've all been to that Thanksgiving where the host comes out on the flip side of the story I just told you, where the host comes and says, try this new recipe I tried. They like, they're like telling you everything that's inside of it. You know, the, what, okay, my favorite Thanksgiving is really simple and it's really bad for you, but it's uh, sweet potatoes. You put it in a dish, you put brown sugar like all over it, and you put butter all over it. And then you put marshmallows on top of it. And you put it in the oven and you bake it until it's like a crusted like blob of awesomeness. And then you eat it. Like it's not a, not a hard recipe, but I love it. And so like if I'm having Thanksgiving, I'm going to like tell everyone, hey, look, look what's in this recipe. It's super easy, but it's super good. You put yams, you tell everyone, you walk someone through it. And you know, that might be gross to some of you. But I'm telling you, just put it in your mouth and you'll love it. And you should only eat it once a year, though, because you have to recover from it for a whole year. But I'm just saying, some people need that walkthrough when they come to know Jesus. Some people are so lost in their lives that they need you to walk up to them and say, hey, buddy, like, they need to be hosted. You need to, like, grab them, bring them here, say, look at this recipe I have for life. And it's like salvation. It's like eternal life. Like, just come, come to church with me. Like, I can explain the things you don't understand. Like, some people need that walkthrough. They need to be shared that recipe. And so my prayer is that every day in my life, that I would be someone 
who shares the recipe, someone who shares my life with people, someone that I'm not scared to like just say, hey, do you want to come and have dinner with me? I might not agree with this person on anything. We might be have contradictory personalities, but I still want to get to know them. I still want them to know that I am someone who can, you, he can share life with. And like that's the challenge that we have. That's the challenge we have from Jesus. He's saying, your life is put together. You know me. I've forgiven you. You know what, Jaden? You mess up a lot. But every time I ask for forgiveness, he forgives me. And now he's telling me, Jaden, go feed my sheep. It's a repetitive process. He does it all the time. One of the ingredients is prayer. We talked about that two weeks ago. The other ingredient is like being in the Word. It's just like knowing Jesus, knowing God. The other ingredient is bringing people to Jesus. And so for some of you, that might be actually speaking to people about Jesus. You feel confident in that. If you don't feel confident in that, bring them to Open Life. Bring them to serve at the Big Give this Saturday. It's simple things. Bring them into your home and just have dinner with them. That's better than not doing anything at all. At least they get to know you. If we're life bearers, if we're people that hold life and are giving it out to people, a simple dinner could be the monumental crux, the, like, the thing that just changes their life. I said, this someone like, loved me so much that I came to know Jesus through that. And so I don't know what it is, but we have an opportunity this Saturday to give Thanksgiving meals to people who otherwise couldn't afford it this Saturday at Walmart. And so what better way to kind of share our recipe than to give people a huge bag of food? You know, it's like, it's symbolic. It's, we're going to be giving people just bags of food with huge turkeys. And what better way to share that recipe in our lives that we have than to do that with them? And the flavor that people are going to taste when they're there is a flavor of joy, a flavor of service where people are going to be greeted, they're going to be loved on. It's going to be a flavor of fun. And so for some people, this might be the first time that they get to know that a church would actually do something like this. A lot of people have a negative view of the church, and I totally understand why. But, but when they come on Saturday to receive a meal, hopefully that's not the flavor they get, is that we're a church that just judges them for the way that they live their lives. But we're going to be serving them. And this is not like, we're not even like sharing, we're not even like literally sharing Jesus with them. We're sharing love with them. We're sharing food with them in hopes that like when someone asks them, hey, would you want to come to Open Life? They might say, hey, Open Life was the place that gave me food for Thanksgiving and met me at a time in, in my life when I had need. And so then maybe they would come when someone invites them. And so you have the opportunity this week. And so the point of all this today in the series Safe and Sea is to show that choosing to follow Jesus has an eternal impact in our lives, like a huge eternal impact, but it has that impact like right now. So many times we get confused when like we're asked, you know, we're put to the decision to follow Jesus and we, we know that when we follow Jesus, we get salvation, we get eternal life. When we die, we, you know, we go to heaven, we don't go to hell. And that's great, but that, that decision also has an impact right now in your life. 
And if you don't realize that, if you, don't, if you can't taste that and you can't see that and know that that is good, then you've missed something if your only thing you're worried about is your eternal life. Because like, that's great, but there's people around you. You have a family, you have friends, you have people that you're in relationship with that need to taste and see as well. And maybe the only way that they do that is through your life. Some people are only gonna taste and see that the Lord is good through the way that you live your life. And that's what's important that when we taste and see that the Lord is good, it's not just for an eternal eternity with Jesus, but it's for an impact right now in the way that we live our lives. And I know we're busy, and I know we're entering a time of year that's supposed to be marked with joy and gladness, but really famously, it's marked for stress, and it's marked for like making people go crazy. But would we take this time, this opportunity, to really just follow Jesus and begin to taste and see that he is good. To take time today when we do communion, to literally take that bread, to dip it into that juice and put ourselves at the table and saying, yes, Jesus, I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna taste and see and I'm gonna run to you and I'm gonna remember what you did for me all that time ago. But how that has an impact right now in my life. And so I want to talk about some action steps. The first one is to keep tasting. Some of you today, you might choose to follow Jesus today. And if you do, I would love for you to go grab communion for the first time. Communion is stated in, in scripture to be for people who, who have chosen to follow Jesus. Because if, if you don't follow Jesus and you're taking communion, you're missing the point of it all. The point of it is always Jesus first. So do that today. All of us can do communion if, if you've chosen to follow Jesus. The second is prayer. It's such a vital aspect of our recipe, of the ingredients in our lives that makes up taste and see. And the next one's the Bible. I was reading like all these verses that I was trying to pack in today, and I found so many connections about how God is good, how God is continually interceding for us, that the Holy Spirit is praying for us in the way we live our lives. That has power. And just one verse that I didn't even get to that I, that's on the bottom of your sheet that I didn't even talk about, but is Romans 8.28. Be encouraged by this. It says, And we know that in all, thing God, all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's not like you're out there alone going. God is working for your good because you've chosen to live by his purpose, to live for the way that he wants you. The second action step is to share the recipe. So for some people, that's going to be grabbing a touch card, inviting someone to come to Open Life next week. For some people, that's going to be just inviting someone to have dinner with you. Literally share a recipe with them, you know, bring them to dinner, share dinner with them, have some fun. And then a third thing in that sharing part is why don't you start intentionally praying for groups of people that you're naturally in? Like, you don't have to, if you're really, I understand it's nerve-wracking to share Jesus with people. But it's like, if you pray and ask, you know, God, would you do something in my friend's life? God can empower you to know the right words to say at the right moment. And you might accidentally say the words, and then they ask you about it, and you have your in. You're there. Just let your words guide you. 
And so finally, the last one is sign up to serve at the Big Give today. There's a computer in the back. We'd love for you to sign up to serve with us. It'd be awesome if we just had 50 people there grabbing turkeys, grabbing all the food, going through the line, doing everything together. Just share with us. Have fun. Like, be there. Be with your smile, you know. It's just an awesome opportunity to be in community, to be there, and to serve. And even maybe that's your sharing this week. You're going to ask someone, hey, I'm gonna, I want you to come serve with me. It's an awesome time for families to come. And like, I promise there's no churchy stuff that's going to be there unless you consider food and turkeys churchy stuff. I don't, it's like really simple stuff. So that's what we want to do. Let's just pray together. Let's get ready to do some communion, to do some worship. And let's just pray to God and say thank you. Just say thank you. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can come before you with all of our problems, all of our messed up things out in our life and say, God, forgive me. God, deal with these things. Help me to walk through life in this mess that I have. And God, I thank you that you consistently, every time we ask you, forgive us, God. And I pray for those who may not know you here. I pray that you would just let them find you. It's as simple as them saying, God, I'm ready to follow you, and I choose to do that right now, this morning. And God, I thank you for maybe those decisions happening right now. And God, I pray as we go to communion, as we grab that bread, as we dip it into the juice, that I pray that we would know that we're there at that table. You're asking us to remember you, God. And so I pray that today we would do that and remember you. And then as we walk out these doors, we think about ways in our lives we can remember you as well. What, what can we do, God? So I pray for all that, God. I pray as we go forward, as we try to begin to share, God, about you, that you would help us, Lord. Your will is for us to feed your sheep, and so I pray that you'd empower us to do that on a daily basis. Give us opportunities, maybe when we think we're scared, that you would just have someone ask us about our lives. And would we take that opportunity to share it, God? Let us be intentional. Let us be thought-provoking, God, and let us just walk forward in the power that you have for us. And we ask all of it in your mighty name.